0: It's ten Thursday morning. Steve finds you turn your back for five minutes. I know, I know. You're not must, going away again. I must admit, I, I went
1: away, and they chose that period. I mean, it is all about me. I'm, I'm not being. I thought it was that they decided they chose to sneak that period to, to 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 nip in a, a couple of small proposals about constitutional reform. No, it's just called constitutional. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it, it's quite nice. I mean, you, you've got to... It, it is so dismal that you've got to laugh. I guess But, I so. mean, what what, what what we now have in Hong Kong, in the name of progress, is... Oh, that's right, the same system as they have in North Korea, where everybody can vote for whoever it is they've chosen them to vote for. I, I'm hardly
0: exaggerating. I know you're not. Iran is the world that's been banded around as well.
1: No, that's very unfair. No, no, no. Iran to be fair, <laughs> okay. actually has a bit of a choice. In North Korea, anybody can vote for somebody called Mr. Kim regardless. And it is universal suffrage in, 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 sorry, in Korea. Let's get this right. It's very early in the morning. No, it's That's universal suffering in Korea. Universal That's different. suffering and why not? Yeah. It's been such a success there, we should try it here. But the idea, honestly, the idea that some sort of progress has been achieved, that there's a historic advance and other clichés that people may have in their back pockets is really rubbish. I mean, this is a major step backwards. Anybody who doesn't believe that just doesn't understand anything about how elections work. When you have a system as rigid as that which is proposed by the... Um, uh, by the by the NPCC WHYZ you know that that there will be no genuine choice for electors. The fact that they can all go out and vote for the people who've been chosen by Beijing is of no consequence. But you know what's even? I mean, you keep saying they're not going to add to this. I mean, it's already bad enough. That's done and dusted. But but as soon as this has been announced, we then hear that they're then organising a visit to Beijing for all the tycoons. Hmm. You know, the, the big boys. not, Just not sightseeing, not, beaches. Not, not, not the little sort of idiots who, who, who run around and, and the useful idiots who do their work here, but the actual real bosses are going up to Beijing. Why are they going to Beijing, under the leadership of Tung chi and we'll come back to him in a moment, is... Tour guide Tung. Tour guide Tung. The, the, the reason they're going up there is to uh, advise, and I put that very heavily in inverted commas, the, the comrades on who is their chosen candidate for people to democratically... Oh, God, I can't even say the words. The, it's time, just the so, timing is just so ridiculous. Stellar, they, 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 they don't even pause for breath before doing this. They say, first of all, you're not going to have a choice, so sod off. Yep. Then we're going to pick all the people who who have have been so dismally... Unsuccessful at choosing a suitable leader for Hong Kong to go up to Beijing and do exactly the same thing again. So they'll go up there and they'll all sit there. And this is what I love about these people: they'll all sit there, and what they'll actually be doing is trying to second guess who it is that the people in charge of the government in China want them to pick. So it's a sort of funny little game they'll play. They'll go up there Why they'll don't they go, just ask him? and they'll go and say, Lee ka Shing, for example, who do you think would be? And he'd go, well let me put it to you, who do you think would be best, comrade? And they'll go, well, I tell you what, we found Mr. So-and-so. He, he may not be very nice, but, you know, he's good for us. And he'll go, do you know that's a very exactly good choice? Exactly what I was thinking. That, that's my view entirely. I mean, these are the people, these are the real patriots who send their children overseas to be educated, who have foreign passports in their back pocket, of course... They don't. It's their wives who have the foreign passports in their back pocket, their sons who have the foreign passports in their back pocket. I mean, the word. You hip- sound like
0: Afghan at this point. Honestly, oh, you really
1: do. The <laughs> word hypocrite, the word hypocrite just isn't good enough for these people. But then, I mean, because there's no sense of irony in Hong Kong, and it's a pity because irony, you, you, you know, defines what's happening here. They, they've, they've wheeled out Tung Chi Wa, the most Miserable of failures as the first chief executive of Hong Kong. But a nice to sell, guy. He's a perfectly nice guy. To sell the package on the grounds that the current incumbent is just so horrible and so unacceptable to most people in Hong Kong that even Tung would be better as a salesman for this package. So, you know, the struggle to find the least worst is on. And they've said, "Well, oh, we think Mr Tung might be the least worst here. You keep
0: saying Mr
1: should we say comrade? Well, I'm, I'm just, sorry. I'm just thinking, Misses. <laughs> missus.
0: <laughs> oh, well, miss, missus Tung hasn't been wheeled out no, on this miss, particular, not, e- not missus Tung. You're talking about income, you know, next and this, that, but uh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yes. Well, uh, you, you, you think it might be a sort
1: of broom headed lady might be. I, I, I'll
0: get you my dearie.
1: I'm not sure that in fact, even she who is, I, I've never known anybody, as as busy scrambling for a job as she is i don't think even she is likely to be s- selected purely on the grounds no on, not, not, not because she's unsuitable then she's if she, if she was unsuitable then say oh well, that's all right but i mean it is it is true i mean the the, the level of misogyny Among the Chinese leadership is staggering. I mean, even, even in Japan, which is not known as an equal opportunity employer in the, in the, in the upper echelons of government, even in Japan, they have five now. They have five female cabinet members in, in, in China. They've bravely decided to have one. You know, I mean, God.
0: No, but this could be seen as a step forward in in certain parlance for Hong Kong. Yes. In in Hong Hong Kong, Kong, when you
1: say step forward, you mean step uh, somewhere else. Anyway, I mean, all I'm saying, and, you know, I'm trying to be as objective and and reasonable and fair Fair as as only I can be. That's what I like about you. Yeah, that's me. Is that it is still extraordinary that these so-called neutral... And unbiased commentators say, well, you know, we should really grab this as an opportunity for progress. Here is our chance to move forward. Let's be really, really clear about this. This does not move universal suffrage one nano step forward. The fact that the entire electorate can select anybody who Beijing has chosen for them to select is isn't universal suffrage by any conceivable what? definition. And I think the clearly the most clear way of saying that is to say that. What this also means though, of course, is because Beijing is intent on confrontation, not consultation, and incidentally <laughs> you've got to laugh. They're saying now that the decision is made, we're going to have a second consultation exercise. Yeah, what's that all about? Well They've made the decision. Excuse me, what is the second consultation exercise going to do? On how thick we are. (laughs) You know, it's going to say this is to prove, and they will no doubt prove, I can tell you now, you heard it here first, well, maybe heard it everywhere else first as well, but never mind, you'll hear it here first as well, that the second consultation will prove that there is not perhaps entire, but overwhelming support for this progress this move towards a more democratic constitutional arrangement for Hong Kong. That, of course, is what we call, and I've got to use a rather technical expression here, a lie. There's no other nice way of saying that. So we'll use the technical expression lie. That is almost certainly what will come out of the second <clears throat> constitution exercise. Then we come, mm-hmm. and, and you know, I mean, uh, uh, the, the risk of, of, of laying it on to the, Then we come to this extraordinary business of who actually... When they said Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong, and by they I mean Deng Xiaoping and all the other... Lee Kong said it. But, but many people said it. He said, said you it. just
0: get on with it, come to us as a matter of record. Yeah. Da, 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 da. But I
1: mean, this emanated from the famous words of Deng oh, yeah, Xiaoping, sure, sure. Hong Kong people ruling Hong Kong. Actually, who was the only person who actually said what was going to happen in Hong Kong? It was Lee Fei, Lee Fei comes down and says... You'll do this, you'll do this, you'll do this. And all the so called leaders of Hong Kong sat there and went, Oh right, okay, thank you. Oh, thank you, Mr Liu. Oh, is that right? Okay. And, I mean, you know, they don't even they don't even bother to send down the the Secretary General of the NP Assign- NPC. NPCSC. Anybody who likes initials sign up here they don't even bother with the boss they send down the 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 contempt is extraordinary they send down the deputy which is which is lee Fei, and he sits there and he says this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen and and the so-called leader of hong kong the chief executive of hong kong sits there looking at him goes "Mm, very good miss lee yes yes. anything else you'd like seriously i'm here for you i'm always here for you
0: I think you're talking about the PWLA, People What Like Acronyms. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> <laughs> I've got an email from Mike. He says, just goes to show that the word of the Chinese rulers cannot be trusted and that any agreement is not worth the paper it's written on. They now have no choice, of no chance of getting Taiwan back, says Mike. The PRC should use Hong Kong as an experiment in reform. What are they scared of? That's well, Mike to- makes a
1: very interesting point, which... As ever is forgotten in all this, is that the one country, two systems um, format or whatever you want to call it, was actually devised in Beijing with Taiwan in mind. The whole idea was that this was a way of bringing Taiwan back into the motherland. And they thought... Rumour or you fact? What, but this, that's a fact. Okay, I mean, right. it, 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 nobody, nobody in um, Beijing will deny this because they, they said it at the time. So the whole idea was that this was a way of saying to the people of Taiwan, all right, well, you've got your own government, you've got your own system, but, but you know, you can still come back into the motherland. The opportunity to test this out came, of course, in 1997 in Hong Kong, with the reversion to Chinese sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And anybody in Taiwan who is going to draw comfort from the experiment that was tried in Hong Kong would probably number, and I'm I'm a bit of a statistician here, would probably number about one. Anybody who looks at Hong Kong says, oh, I tell you what, that's a great system. We'll have some we'll, of that. We'll, we'll some of that. <laughs> yeah. that one person, I don't know his name, but it could be her name, it could be... Possibly two, because we've got to be statistically accurate. Here. Absolutely, but if it's more than that, I would be staggered. So it is interesting that, that the system um, devised for Taiwan has now given the people of Taiwan the ultimate assurance that it's not worth having. And it's not just—I mean, Mike talks about promises and what have you. Actually, it's something more than that. These. Pledges of Hong Kong's autonomy, these pledges of, democrating, of creating democratic government are actually matters of law. Yeah. One is the basic law, and one is an inst- international treaty called the Joint Declaration registered with the United Nations. These aren't sort of... You know, there's not somebody who, who goes into a restaurant and says, Oi, waiter, have you got a pen? I just want to scribble something down. These are constitutional documents.
0: Yeah, well, don't forget, Steve, And we- if
1: you can ignore
0: those, well... Yeah. Well, you, you, you wrote yourself in the 90s that the whole deal about Hong Kong being loaned to Britain for a few years was just like a sort of party game to them. So that being said, ah, just let them get on with it. If your mindset is that it's ours anyway...
1: Yes, We'll sign it. We'll sign an agreement, and um, we will we will reserve all rights to interpret that agreement. Right. Well, in a sense, you could say that with the basic law, China could sort of do that, because constitutions are notoriously interpreted, interpreted by whoever's in power. I like your word better. <laughs> interpreted. Sorry yeah. about that. Interpreted by those who are in power. But a constitutional document, which is an international treaty, is actually of a different standing. It, 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 it cannot be unilaterally interpreted by one of the signatories to that document. Mm. And China now is saying... Oh! Oh yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know Britain signed it, but they should be very quiet about this because it's now longer
0: they any of their will business. Be, they probably will be though, won't they? Yes. I've got a correspondence here from uh, Paul, which I'll get to in a second. Uh, Scott says, Mike's got it backward. It's because China has pretty much given up on using Hong Kong to seduce Taiwan. Now they use both brute force capital and military as a strategy to get back Taiwan. He says, for your information, a poll in Taiwan found over 60% of the youth of Taiwan may hate the CCP, but are willing to go to China to find work.
1: But that's not contradictory to me. That's really not contradictory to me. I mean, people will um, do things in their pragmatic self-interest. If they're unemployed in Taiwan or they job, can make it? more money in the mainland, they will go and they will go and take that. Job. I wonder. That doesn't mean that they've fallen in love with the system. They will go across the mainland, but I think you can be pretty damn sure that in their back pocket will be their Taiwan passport. Oh, you bet. And if somebody says to them, "The price of you taking this job," is you have to give up your Taiwan passport and take on a PRC passport. That 60% ain't going to
0: be there anymore. I wonder how many of these employers that these Taiwanese guys go to for jobs think, oh, I love some of that, bit of a sort of international foreigner there, bit of foreign experience, but they look the part, so we'll hire them. Yes,
1: and, and, you know, why not? I mean, I'm not critical of anybody. You know, why shouldn't people work on the mainland? Indeed... You know, all this talk about how Hong Kong people should become more familiar with mainland. All of this is perfectly legitimate. But that doesn't mean you have to embrace the system.
0: Certainly not. We've got about a minute before the news. Morning to Paul. He says, do you think if CY Leung decided and announced he would not run for a further time, it might make the situation better? No. Okay, fair (laughs) enough. Thanks very much for that, Paul.
1: That's
0: all he's got to say on the matter. I I, I just, I just think it's...
1: It's all gone. It's all gone too far now. It's gone too far. I mean, it, people would be happier not to have CY Lung as the chief executive. But frankly, it, he's so irrelevant now. Isn't, isn't he coming round to
0: yours for tea on Saturday? Yeah, well, he is,
1: and I'm, I, I'm a <laughs> bit embarrassed. You've, you, you, you've mentioned that on the radio, Sorry, but anyway, <laughs> yeah. he, he is. But. I can't tell you what I'm going to put in the tea.
0: Just something, to, just something to leave us with before the news—the big announcement of of uh, what was happening the other day with the whole, you know, Rogues Gallery. Everybody looked like they were at an execution, except for CY. You're, you're like, talking about when the announcement was made. Yeah, yes, boy, oh boy. Yes. it was like one of those sort of old West. You know, cowboys never smiled in pictures. It, yes, it was like one of those. Yes, we'll come back to this after the news. If you want to get in touch, it's Morning Brew at rthk.hk. Let's hit the round button. There we are. Radio 3. On Radio 3 nearly 20 minutes to 11 still in with Steve Vines. Well, I'm still here and uh, um just about
1: still here. You are
0: the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> 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 uh,
1: that's what the bloke takes my money keeps saying. <laughs> <laughs> the um what's still just about here is are, are some of Hong Kong's institutions which I'd always thought we could rely on and always thought were cornerstones of our way of life. Well, there you go. One of which is the police. The other is the ICAC. Now, it seems that under Len Chongying, no institution is sacred enough, and maybe sacred isn't the right word, but is, is precious enough, perhaps is a better word, not to be used for political purposes. I mean, the idea... That an organisation called the Independent, and you have to stress that word, Commission Against Corruption, should be used for political purposes so blatantly.
0: That went all over the world on the news wires as well. It
1: sure as hell did. When they, you know, when they raided the offices and home of, of, of Jimmy Lai and his assistant Mark Simon. I mean, that showed to me... And, of course, nothing will come of that because this was total rubbish. This was purely a political act. That showed to me not that there was anything particularly... Well, there was something worrying about the raids. I, I shouldn't say there wasn't anything particularly worrying about them. There was something very particularly worrying about the raids. But that showed to me the extent to which the people who are now running this government have no regard for its major institutions. I mean, the ICAC was designed as a bulwark of the system of Hong Kong. It was set up for those who who may not know the history as a way of eliminating a very, very corrupt system within the Hong Kong police force and of calling to account public officials, particularly public officials, but it also applies to the private sector, who, who have... Uh, been guilty or was suspected of being guilty of some form of corrupt behaviour. Now, once you say that institution is subject to the political whims of the government, in other words, it can be used not for its original purpose, which is very important, which is to eliminate corruption, but can be used against political opponents the entire credibility of the organisation goes—it's you know—it's like being half pregnant. You cannot be half pregnant, and you cannot be half independent. You're either independent or you're not, or you're pregnant, or you're pregnant, or not, or not. Those are the two alternatives. That's it. They're kind of simple. That's right. So, uh, and then when you have. And this is increasingly the case, and we've talked about this on this programme before, but it's getting more and more blatant. When you have policing, which is done in such a partial political manner, you know, you have the police policing the the pro-government, anti-occupy central a demonstration issuing vast numbers of, of 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 attendance as their official estimate of how many people are there and you compare and contrast that with the aggressive and it really is getting very very aggressive way that they police any sort of anti-government uh, protest you understand that the police instead of being the neutral force preserving law and order i, I can't emphasise how important all of this is, preservation of law and order, if they are no longer acting in an impartial way in preserving law and order, the system is crumbling at its foundations. What I really fear now, and many people fear this, it's not just me, is that this pernicious attempt to undermine the bedrocks of Hong Kong will now be spreading to the judiciary and that there will be many more appointments to the judiciary of judges who are considered not to be legally, you know, fantastic, but to be politically sound, particularly appointments to the Court of Final Appeal. Now, once that happens, you've not only knocked away the foundations of Hong Kong's way of life, you've crushed them. You've made a situation where the whole edifice will tremble very considerably. And all of those weaselly-like, business organisations who are saying, oh, what I'm really worried about is the fact that there's unrest and protest in Hong Kong. Boy, will they live to rue the day when they didn't raise their voice about the undermining of the, law, of the rule of law in Hong Kong. Because this is what's really important to business. It's not the idea that people shouldn't be allowed to demonstrate. In every democratic society, there is large demonstrations and business organisations in those societies which are much more sane say... Yeah, okay, there's demonstrations. Next, mm. we're still, you know, we're still running the banks, we're still running the insurance companies. We really don't mind about that. What they do mind about is lawlessness. What they do mind about is a system that is isn't no longer guaranteed to be impartial, no longer can be guaranteed to have a place you can go to, i.e. a court, where disputes can be settled in an impartial manner. Once all of that's gone... I can't... It's, it's hard to exaggerate how dead in the water Hong Kong is going to be. And the speed at which this is happening is terrifying. I'm... I'm you know, I've, I've really not been pessimistic about Hong Kong. You know, like a lot of people who've chosen to live here rather than happen to have been born here. I, I came here because I like the system. I think it works. But if they're going to carry on doing these sort of things... Many people are going to say, well, what's the point of Hong Kong? They're not coming to Hong Kong because it's oil rich. They're not coming to Hong Kong because it's got, you know, a fantastically clean environment. I think it's the karaoke, actually. Well, there's that, See, and that is quite important. That's and, worth And we shouldn't underestimate <laughs> the karaoke. Uh, you, you have a point there, and I've foolishly overlooked it. I particularly like it when they sing patriotic songs of at course. karaoke, but that, that's just me.
0: You've got to. Here's another possible, um, if things were to really sort of hot up here, so you, you declare a state of emergency, and bish-bash boss, there's your Article 23.
1: Well, yes. I mean, many, many things flow from this, mm. but, I mean, the problem with this is that... It may not be some, you know, big cataclysmic event. It's this slow chipping away of the foundations. And once you've chipped away the foundations, the building falls down. I mean, this isn't kind of rocket science. This is really simple stuff. Mm. And one of the reasons why Hong Kong does so well is, frankly, because it's in a bad neighbourhood. It's (laughs) in a neighbourhood where there isn't rule of law, where... In other places, you can't rely on the police or the judiciary or some independent body like the ICAC to keep things under control. So people say, we better set up a business in Hong Kong because it's got all of these things. Mm. Well, once they're gone, they're gone. There ain't no reason to come here. I'm telling you, even though the karaoke is good and I'm not dissing it, honestly, okay. it's fantastic. They'll not be. And even though we have, you know, the ultimate in civilization which is high concentration of MacDonald outlets, even though all of these prerequisites of a civilised society exist here,
0: I think people want a bit more. They Actually, do seem they want to a be- lot more, in fact. Well, this is the next thing. I mean, seriously, to take it a step further, it's when businesses started to duck and run. Well,
1: it's not happening yet. Mm. But, you know, the, the point about loss of confidence is it's never slow. Once it starts, it accelerates at a very fast pace. You know, the the, the comparison that I always use, because I happen to be familiar with it, because this is what I used to cover in my previous life as a journalist, was Lebanon. Lebanon was the place in the Middle East that international businesses went to because it was the best place. Part of a bad neighbourhood you know they didn't want to be in Iraq they didn't want to be in Syria they didn't want to be in Egypt although they were much bigger countries than Lebanon but they went to Lebanon because it had an orderly society where where the courts functioned I'm talking about the early 1970s of course it's all gone but when the exodus from Lebanon occurred Boy did it occur? I mean there was a civil war, I ought to mention that small small matter small detail but you know I mean, hey, nobody 's going to be picky about these sort of things, but it went it mm. just went overnight mm. now it 's quite interesting, some of it's trickling back into Lebanon now, but it ain 't what it was, not it 's a shadow of what it was, so you know if Hong Kong wants to be hollowed out by this deliberate policy of politicizing the fundamental pillars of society that make Hong Kong a
0: place to do business, go for it, boys. So, so Steve, isn't the overriding thing, perhaps, from some the <coughs> brains on the mainland, is none of the stuff you're talking about whatsoever this morning. It's, it's ours, and we're going to show them it's ours, and that's that.
1: But I think there's also a fundamental lack of understanding. I really don't think that a lot of these people who make the crucial decisions in Beijing quite get it. They don't quite get what Hong Kong is. They say Hong Kong is ours. They should do what they're told. That's what I mean. But they don't understand that if Hong Kong just does what they're told to do in Beijing, all the rest of it will disappear because they're on a high. They say China's going to be the biggest economy in the world. You know, screw them if they don't, you know, screw all these foreign companies if they don't don't like what we're doing because they'll have to come to us anyway. Actually, it ain't true. It really isn't true. The arrogance of power is, oh, that's right, it's the arrogance of power. And it only works up to the point at which people who have a choice can exercise that choice. And people do have a choice about where they put their money. They do have a choice about where they want to do business. And if you're going to say that the conditions of doing business are so
0: difficult, they'll say, oh, okay, I'll go somewhere else. Mm. Steve, something else I want to ask you about this morning. Now, I am no historian, but apparently, quote, about 700 people have attended a ceremony to mark the 69th anniversary of China's victory against Japan in the Second World War. Now, is that just the devil in the detail, the way it's written, story?
1: Well, the, 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 there's even worse. Uh, according to one columnist in the South China Morning Post, China won the Pacific War. <clears throat> what, what, what? <laughs> Come on. I think the children who are now employed to, to write some of these columns at least need to read a book or two. But it is depressing, you know. I mean, the, the, the first thing you said in reading out that was ninth. We, we are 69 years. I've never from, seen this happen. From, from the end of the war. Hmm. Now, in Europe, people have decided that that was a very, very, very bad thing, but we've got to get over it. I mean, it just so happens... While, while I was away, and there was ma- mass mourning among well, my three dogs, yeah. um, <laughs> I, I went to Berlin, which apparently was the capital of the Third Reich during the, um, during the Second World War. If you go to Germany, as I happened to have done just a week ago, you will notice that they completely confront what happened during the war. They, there is, for example, there's an enormous Holocaust memorial, there, there, there's museums, there's many, many frank admissions of what went on during the war. And this is matched by an equal determination to say, because of our ghastly history, we've got to do better. In the countries of Europe, which were at war with Germany, in Britain and France and blah, 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 they're saying, yeah, the war was a cataclysmic. Awful event, but you know, after more than six decades, we have to find a way of dealing with it. And they're What's Not this? pretending
0: it didn't happen, though.
1: Nobody's they? pretending it didn't happen, right. and that would denial would, of course, be appalling. Even even in in Russia, which arguably suffered the most, it, certainly it suffered the most in terms of casualties a, as a consequence of the war. It's quite clear that that they have decided that rather than trying to keep fighting it after this time there has to be a way <coughs> of confronting the past and living with it what is so depressing about what happens in asia particularly between china and japan is japan is still in a state of semi denial you still have chinese leaders sorry japanese leaders visiting the shrines of war criminals from the um From the war and the pre war era in Japan, but on the Chinese side of things you have they 're still the enemy we, we 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 can't come to terms with these people if they ever say anything let 's just remind them of the war. Well, if this is a constructive way of making progress of dealing with history i'd like to know how that works because it don't